1: in. Here it is right here. The time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. Folks, this is the day we live in. I don't know if you realize that, but it is. Great challenge in our day to stand for truth.
0: We live in a time and a culture that has denied and walked away from biblical truth. People stand firm on half-truths, or worse, flat-out lies and deceptions from the enemy. The only way you'll be able to discern truth from lies is to be in the Word. The Bible never changes, God remains the same, and you're forever saved by Jesus Christ. You can take those truths to the bank. As Pastor Danny reminds us today, standing for biblical truth is a challenge, but it's not impossible. Know it, study it, and live it out in love. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 2 Peter chapter 2 for today's edition of The Living Word. To every nation
1: The verses we're about to read, 2 Peter chapter 2, grab your Bible, 2 Peter chapter 2, follow behind the very important truth that God used men who were carried along by the Holy Spirit to pen what we have today as our Bible, God's Word. Uh, The Holy Spirit's very careful to remind us that none of these men wrote or spoke Of any private interpretation. And that's one of the things that you can note to uh, recognize false teaching. Any teaching that came about by one person's own interpretation, you can go ahead and mark it down, it's false. That's why a lot of the cults, as we refer to them, uh, you know, they were started by just one person's idea. Now, Jeremiah, before we get into 2 Peter chapter 14, Uh, Here's what God says about these Old Testament prophets that made things up and really weren't speaking for him. Chapter 14 of Jeremiah, verse 14, the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them or appointed them or spoken to them. They're prophesying to you false visions, divinations, idolatries, and the delusions of their own minds. Now, in light of that background from last week's text, um, we continue chapter two, verse one, but there were also false prophets among the people. We read Jeremiah, just as there will be false teachers among you, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves? Now, before we read any further, and we're going to read the whole chapter. It's a lot. It's a mouthful. I'm going to read you from expository sermons on Second Peter by a fellow named Doctor Martin Lloyd Jones. He's with the Lord now, but he pastored a church in London beginning in 1943 uh, for about 30 years. Uh, well-known preacher in his day and still known today, and uh, people like me still read. Um, some of his sermons. And this is a collection of sermons from 2 Peter. And when he gets to 2 Peter chapter 2, I just want to read you just a little bit of what he says because it's the way I feel, all right, as I approach 2 Peter chapter 2. I approach this chapter once more with a good deal of disinclination. It is, as I think almost agree, one of the most terrible and terrifying chapters in the entire Bible. Anyone who enjoys reading a chapter like this must surely be abnormal. It is a chapter which has much in it that is unsavory and unpleasant. And I say left to one's own choice and one's own likes and dislikes. This is the kind of chapter that one would avoid. And Sebastian, you can thank me later for not giving you this chapter. Anyone who does not follow a system of Bible reading which takes one through the whole Bible is certain never to read a chapter like this. People who only read their so-called favorite chapters and who pick out the sections that they like uh, would never spend much time on this second chapter of the second epistle of Peter. Then he goes on to talk about how, hey, if it's the Word of God, we got to look at it. We got to teach it. We got to preach it. The epistle of Jude bears a very striking resemblance to this chapter. And if you put Jude and this chapter side by side, you would think the same author wrote them. Well, ultimately, the same author did, God. The apostles were tremendously concerned about this matter, and they left nothing undone in their endeavor to warn these first Christians about preserving the purity of the faith and contending for the faith that had once and forever been committed to them to defend it. And to make certain that it should never become adulterated. So, those are my thoughts as well. He just says it a lot nicer than I could. Verse 2 Many will follow their shameful ways and bring the way of the truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they've made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in the gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and, catch this, made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. The idea is some of their punishment is going to happen this life, but the ultimate punishment is going to happen at the judgment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the sinful nature and despise authority. They become independent. Now, as we continue the list, let me just note, this is not an itemized list that characterizes every single individual false teacher. It's a sweeping overview of characteristics of false teachers, Bold and arrogant, these men are not afraid to slander celestial beings. Always bothers me when I hear somebody talk flippantly about the devil. Don't just flippantly say, I'm going to kick the devil in the teeth. Listen, you kick the devil in the teeth, he's going to have you for lunch. Jude says that Michael, the archangel, when disputing about the body of Moses with Lucifer, did not, bring a railing accusation against him. But here's what he said, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. You better make sure you have the Lord. Yet even angels, although they're stronger and more powerful, do not bring slanderous accusations against such beings in the presence of the Lord. But these men blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They're like brute beasts, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed, and like beasts they too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. That word carouse is a word that literally means uh, they like good living and if they they can have it, luxurious living. It's the same word used in Luke chapter 7 when Jesus asked the people, What they went out to see when they went out to see John the Baptist. And here I'll read Luke 7 25. What did you go out to see, Jesus said? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury, there's the word. Luxury are in palaces. So these guys are really into this life and the things that this life offers. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. The unstable are those that don't have a firm foundation of truth in their lives. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. makes you think about what Jesus said to the Pharisees and Sadducees. On the outside, you guys look and appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. You're full of greed and self-indulgence. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor, Who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. A beast without speech who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These men are springs without water. You will not find the spiritual refreshing from them or their teaching. And mist driven by a storm. They can get a lot of attention, make a lot of noise. But again, nothing that's going to really give you spiritual growth and refreshment. Just miss. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. That fits with what the opening verse was, uh, in verse 2 anyway, many will follow their shameful ways. Why will many follow them? Because what they say appeals to human nature. It sounds good. It's better for me, at least temporarily. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. And then notice this. It gets tougher here. Verse 20, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true. One Proverbs is from Proverbs 26. The other was just a well-known proverb of the day. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. And Many suggest that that tells us that they were never really regenerated, never really born again, never really had their nature changed. Could be true, but there's some other verses in the passage that seem to indicate otherwise. It's a challenging passage. It's one I don't enjoy tackling, but it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. I don't know if you realize the day you and I live in you realize the day you and I live in? Here's the day you and I live in. Here it is right here. The time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. Folks, this is the day we live in. I don't know if you realize that, but it is. Great challenge in our day to stand for truth, and if we really stand for all of truth, even even those that claim the same Christ that we do will put us down. Quite a day to live when it says they will. There will be false teachers, verse one, among you. Among you. Now that could mean in your local church, but but more so it means. In the name of Christianity. In other words, these are people that claim to be Christians. All right? They'll be among you. Christianity at large. Now, here are the vital issues from the text. The first is this, what I'm talking about, where do you find heresy? Where do you find heresy? Uh, Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 13. Luke 13, beginning in verse 18. Uh, Welcome to turn there, but if not, just just listen. Uh, Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? And then he says, it's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air perched in its branches. Some preachers say that's a positive thing. It's not a positive thing. Can't be. Uh, Just before this, when Jesus told the parable of the seed and the sower, the word that's sown along the path, the birds come and they represent the evil one. And they snatch away the word. The birds here are perching in the kingdom, perching in the kingdom, taking advantage. All right? They're right there among us. And you know it because look at the next one he says. Again, he has verse 20. What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast. Now, yeast in the Bible is always representative of evil. Yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. There again, you find... In the kingdom, among us. Jesus told the parable of the, the weeds and the wheat. And uh, the question is asked where do the weeds come from? Well, the evil one did this, all right? And then the servants say, Well, you want us to pull out the weeds? And the master says, No, wait till the harvest time because you may end up pulling up some true grain with the wheat. In other words, ultimately, God knows who are his and at the judgment he'll separate the sheep from the goats. Acts 20 listen to it. Paul says even from your own number men will arise and distort the truth, distort the truth, in order to draw away disciples after them so be on your guard. Matthew 7:22 fascinating what Jesus said many will say to me on that day lord lord did we not prophesy in your name in your name drive out demons perform many miracles Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. Away from me, evildoers. Let me tell you the second challenge in the passage. And this is where some people decide today is this the local church that we really ought to be a part of, or do we need to find another one? Depending on how I answer this question can someone lose their salvation? before I even get into it, I believe I'm eternally secure. I don't go around every day wondering oh, I don't know am I going to lose my salvation Am I really saved? That's crazy. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, I know them they follow me He said, they're in my hand, I'm in the Father's hand nobody can snatch them out of my hand. But that's just one verse. There's other verses that if you if you're not confident you're not living for the Lord, you know they don't give you a whole lot of comfort and I think that's why God put them there. I think truth is somewhere in the balance. Now, you're looking at me. You're looking at me. You're like, okay, let's get into it. All right, let's get into it. John Calvin was born July the 10th, 1509 and died May 27th, 1564. He was a French theologian, pastor during the Protestant Reformation. He taught the doctrine of predestination and the absolute sovereignty of God in salvation. His writing, his preaching messages were the siege of the branch of theology that now bears his name, Calvinism. Probably got some here. A matter of fact, I'm certain we do. Calvinism is the basis for the doctrine of many Baptist, Presbyterian, and Reformed churches. There are five points to Calvinism. Uh, they taught us in, our, in Christian college. You can remember them by uh, TULIP, T-U-L-I-P. I remember TULIP, but I couldn't remember the five points for the life of me. So I had to, go to, I had to go back and look them up. And here they are, total depravity. Man is totally depraved, can't save himself. Unconditional election. God has elected some to be saved, and he has elected some to be lost. And if you're, if you're elect to be saved, ain't nothing you can do about it. You go into heaven whether you want to or not. Limited atonement, that's the third. Limited atonement, that Jesus' blood and his sacrifice was only sufficient for the elect, not for the non-elect. Four, irresistible grace. That means that if you are the elect, God is going to woo you. And there's nothing you can do about it. He's going to woo you. He's going to draw you. It's irresistible grace. You can't say no. And number five, perseverance of the saints. And that means you can't lose your salvation. Now, I know people that prayed a prayer 18 years ago, and there's no evidence in those 18 years overall that they really know the Lord, but they believe, hey, I prayed that prayer, and I have once saved, always saved, and I'm headed there. Well, don't come counseling with me. Jacobus James Arminius was a Dutch theologian who lived from 1560 to 1609. He taught that man is not guilty for Adam's sin, but only when he chooses himself to sin voluntarily. Believe it or not, James Arminius started out as a strict Calvinist. I didn't know that, but later he changed his views. He expressed those views in a document called the remonstrance. A remonstrance is an expression expression of opposition or protest and the remonstrance was a protest against the calvinistic doctrine of predestination the document was condemned as heresy by the reformed churches at the synod of dort 1618-1619 there were five articles in the remonstrance just like five articles in calvinism i had never read the five articles in the remonstrance until this past friday um and I'm not going to read them all, but one in Article 2 struck out uh, to me, stuck out, that agreeably thereunto, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, died for all men and for every man, so that he has obtained for them all by his death on the cross, redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Yet that no one actually enjoys this forgiveness of sins except the believer. But the point is, Jesus' sacrifice is sufficient for all men. Two other main points in the document are election based on God's foreknowledge. That God didn't elect some to heaven and some to hell, you know, and the ones going to hell never had a chance. But based on God's foreknowledge, he knew who would say yes and he knew who would say no, which I think is what the Bible teaches. And then the other is conditional perseverance. Man can choose to reject God and therefore lose his salvation. Now, if someone believes they can lose their salvation, Hebrews says if they've once been enlightened by the Holy Spirit, tasted the goodness of the Lord of God, all those kind of things, they can't be renewed. So if if you believe you can lose it, uh, according to that scripture, you can't get it back. You can't be saved and lost and saved again and lost again and saved again. You say, well, what does this church believe? Now we're getting to it, aren't we? Now you can decide, is this the church for me? Well, Arminianism is the basis for doctrine in most Methodist, Wesleyan, Nazarene, Pentecostal, free will, Baptist, holiness, and some charismatic churches. Now, there's a point to all this. I'm not just talking theology just to talk theology. This is a little booklet, Calvary Chapel, not our Calvary Chapel, Calvary Chapel uh, put out, uh, Calvinism versus Arminianism. We have them in the bookstore, just a little easy to read booklet. I want to read you a couple of things, though, just uh, for, well, FYI. In here, they uh, quote a guy Philip Schaff uh, in a thing he did called the History of the Christian Church. Listen carefully. You, you got to be alert today. Got to listen. Calvinism emphasizes divine sovereignty and free grace. Arminianism emphasizes human responsibility. Did you hear that? The one restricts the saving grace to the elect. The other extends it to all men on the condition of faith. Both are right in what they assert. Both are wrong in what they deny. If one important truth is pressed to the exclusion of another truth of equal importance, it becomes an error and loses its hold upon the conscience. The Bible gives us a theology which is more human than Calvinism and more divine than Arminianism and more Christian than either of them. Now, I personally say amen to that. Now, let me, read you, let me read you here. These things can never be intellectually reconciled because God is simply too big for us to understand. Both systems of theology emphasize one set of scriptures while either ignoring or drastically twisting and explaining away others. That's why Calvary Chapel is a movement, and I'm not saying this to pat Calvary Chapel on the back. Don't take it that way. That's not the way I mean it. Calvary Chapel, Pastor Chuck Smith and the movement has chosen that we are not Calvinist, but we are not Arminianist. We are not either in the strict teaching of either of those. We want to be Biblicist. And there are verses on both sides. Now, let me give you the emphasis of Scripture. Here's the emphasis of Scripture. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Don't you realize Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. The emphasis is not on do I have it unconditionally no matter what my lifestyle is like and I'll never lose it. And the emphasis is not, I wonder if I lost my salvation today, this week, this month, last year. No, no. The emphasis is examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Listen. By this gospel, you're saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you believe in vain.
0: We're so thankful you tuned in for today's edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. As we continue to learn from the book of 2 Peter together, we pray that this study challenges you to live a life more like Christ. Peter walked with Jesus for three years, and he had the opportunity to see firsthand what it means to live like Jesus. Aren't you glad we have his writings to help us grow in our faith? If you'd like to hear more teachings like this from Pastor Danny or hear today's message again, head on over to our website, ccfstpete.church. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to be notified when we post anything new. And if you're ever in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would love to meet you. At Calvary Chapel Fellowship, the church behind this ministry, we meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and again on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. It's an incredible time of worship and Bible study. You can find directions and more by going to our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. If you're unable to join us in person, we also offer a live stream of our weekend services. Just visit our website and click on the link in the menu. Pastor Danny has more to share from this series, so we hope you'll tune in again next time. We're glad to know that you're a part of our listening audience, and we're praying for you. We hope that you'll continue to tune in as we learn more from 2 Peter right here on The Living Word.